0: I've got a special guest here to introduce the first part of the show. Would you say hello? Hello. This is Luke. And Luke, why don't you say welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed. Hello for Teaching in Higher Ed. Yeah, and Luke, today we're going to be talking about Spring Break Recharge. Okay. Okay. Thanks for joining me for the first part of the show. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. This is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to increase our personal productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present. For our students, it's a beautiful night out here in sunny Southern California, a beautiful sunset. There are lots of neighborhood children playing outside, and I am so ready for spring break, which starts next week. There are different philosophies about spring break, I've noticed from my colleagues and and friends at other institutions. Some people have the approach of, well, we can get ourselves a little break and have our students work on major papers during that time. We can get a lot of grading done and or I suppose we can recharge and refresh to get ready for the rest of the semester. I tend to fall into camp B and C, which would be I do plan a lot of grading during that time. I have a major paper in a class I'm teaching two sections of, so I'll be grading sixty two pretty substantial papers, but who's counting? And then I also like to do some recharge and refresh, looking toward finishing strong for the semester. And I actually was pretty having a little bit of an overwhelmed week. (laughs) And I sent was have been sending some notes back and forth from my guest back on episode 35. His name is Doug McKee. And he talked about back then on eliciting and using feedback from students. But he blogs regularly and did start his Teach Better podcast. And I've been enjoying listening to those episodes as well. And he said, hey, it's spring break. Maybe you could just talk a little bit about what you're planning on doing and make some recommendations. And so since I'm planning on doing a little bit of recharge or refreshing for the rest of the semester. I did have some guidance that I think may be helpful for some people out there. I was talking with one of my colleagues the other night and we were sharing about never wanting to cheat our students out of having them work on meaningful assignments and having them be challenged and having them be as much like the real world as is possible. And at the same time, we both were lamenting just how difficult it can be when you embrace that teaching philosophy in terms of wanting to be efficient with how you grade that, how you process that, how you handle that kind of thing. So you want to have, you want to gain some efficiencies, but still be really effective with the feedback and the types of assignments you have students do. To that end, here are some things that you might think about, maybe considering for future semesters, or maybe even taking just one of these ideas over the spring break and, and putting it in place for the end of your semester. The first category of things is signups. Signups can be really inefficient. I, I, when I started, I would have group presentations in classes, and I'd pass around a piece of paper, and sometimes it would never actually make its way back around to me by the time the class was over. So as far as different kinds of sign-ups, if I were going to have some kind of a sign-up for presentations like that, where maybe only three groups could present during a particular session, or I only want one student to present, etc., the website Doodle, D-O-O-D-L-E, which I'll have in the show notes at teachinginhighered.com slash 39, so you don't have to worry about stopping your walk around the lake <laughs> to write down that link. At any rate, Doodle is a great tool. I've used it for years now and it works great for signups for presentations, like I said. It also works great if you're trying to get a group of faculty together with varied schedules. So you can put together a list of different possible dates and people can pick and choose which ones will work the best for them. Another similar tool for that is called thebestday.com and it's kind of the same idea where we put a bunch of different dates together and times together, and people can indicate which one of those is going to be the best day for them. But that one I like a little bit because you can actually add other kinds of polls. If you were going to have food, for example, you could have people vote on the kind of food they wanted to have. Or if you were going to have locations where you wanted them to get to pick the best location, you can do that too. As far as signups for office hours, I have been using for a couple of years now a service called time Trade. This is not a free service. It is a paid service, but one that I find to be well worth the investment. And what happens is that I set up different blocks of time on time Trade that are essentially my office hours. Instead of students just coming by my office and seeing if I'm around or available, I like to have them getting prepared for the business world where no, you actually set up a meeting with someone. And so they can go and see what times are available. And I set up a 15-minute block if it's just something really quick, a 30-minute block, a one-hour block, and also a one-hour lunch because we have a cafeteria that we can go to and that tends to be a really good way to have those more informal conversations. So I have that on my website for my university. The reason I leave it on my website for the university is that I've got everything set up to link there. So if in the future I end up finding a better service than time trade, I don't have to go backtrack a bunch and a lot of syllabi or in a lot of course shells and reroute that again. It's on the website and it talks about office hours and it gives them the advice that they should sign up for more time then they think they might need just to make sure that we're not rushed. And then it links it over to the time trade service, which works great. So once they sign up for a time, say they sign up for a half hour block with me, then no one else can sign up for that block. And it also links with my calendar. So it'll block that time in my calendar. But let's say that maybe one of those weeks I had a doctor's appointment, I don't have to go into my office hours and undo that because it syncs the other direction too. So it would know not to offer that time to students, even though it was during that block of typical office hours. Another really great tool that I think a lot of us don't make enough use of is just the fact that on Google Docs, we can create forms on there and they're really easy to do. In fact, there are some articles out there even about how to make quizzes inside of Google, but I tend to use other tools for that. But just creating a Google form, we've, I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm teaching a business ethics class this semester, and we're going to do a business ethics competition at the end of the semester. And so for people who want to participate in that, we have our Google form that'll collect all the information and then we'll be able to have people's contact information and know who wants to sign up. As far as grading goes, I've been talking a little bit about grading lately. Some of you may have seen in the weekly email that I was on the Mac Power User Show, and I talked a bit about a workflow that I have for screencasted feedback to students. So they get to not just see handwritten or typed comments, but actually hear my voice and see their paper and see the rubric at the same time as I'm talking about it. But I didn't, I didn't want to go into this much detail. It's just the first 15 minutes of their live show. By the way, I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you haven't had a chance to listen yet. I didn't go into a lot of detail, but I'm very compulsive about my grading workflows. If you were to say, well, what's your flow? Well, it would depend on the kind of assignment, what was the work product being produced, and what's the best, most effective, but also efficient way to get them the feedback that they're looking for. And one of my go-tos is if I'm taking in their work via the Turnitin service, which we access because our, our university uses a learning management system called Moodle, many of you might have heard of. And inside Moodle, we can just choose a Turnitin assignment and they link back and forth between, so the students don't have to have a separate login for turnitin.com. But what I can do is I can go to their iPad app And I can get it set up really easy. It's very intuitive. The directions are very easy to understand. And I can have all of their papers, all of their assignments, plus the grading rubric that I'm going to use on the Turnitin iPad app. And I find that to be so much more effective than sitting in front of a computer. I tend to get a little bogged down if I sit down in front of a computer for too long. So over spring break, I do plan on using that Turnitin iPad app. I'm thinking about sitting out on our porch. I don't sit out there enough and enjoying some of the fresh air and not sitting in front of my computer for as long as it'll take me to grade those 62 papers. So the Turnitin app, Turnitin iPad app is absolutely worth a look. The one downside, which isn't that much of a downside for me, but I know for some of my colleagues, if you have a stylus and you want to do handwritten, Feedback to students, then the Turnitin app is not going to support that for you. And as far as one last category of items to think about, maybe adopting is answering student questions. As I mentioned, my students are about to turn in a pretty major paper for the semester, and that's coming up here on Friday by 5 o'clock p.m., so they are furiously working on it, as you could imagine. As far as making the question and answer feedback as efficient and effective as possible, I set up a forum inside of each one of my classes that's just for questions and answers, and I invite students to post their questions there. That way, when I get a question from a student, it's highly likely that someone else in the class will have the same question. And then we can just be more proactive about reminding them, hey, this assignment is coming. Here's some information. It kind of gives them a little bit more of a nudge as we go. I haven't had a lot of success at getting students to post questions on that Q&A forum. They tend to just email me directly. And I realize part of that is I'm shaping behavior because I do take the questions that way. But it doesn't really bother me that much. Sometimes then I can combine three to five of them together, and then email them all out in just one email, and it does save too many back and forth emails. And I do find that students appreciate getting that feedback. And I get a lot of responses when I send out those Q and A emails. Of course, a lot of responses are more questions, but that's okay. I'm, that's what we're here for is to help support the students in success like that. The other thing is I got a question from a student who was struggling with something and I couldn't quite, picture what she was talking about because it sounded like it looked different on her screen than it does on mine. And I find it's so helpful to be able to do screenshots. And I mentioned previously, I really like the program Snagit. It's made by a company called TechSmith. It's available on the Windows platform and on the Mac platform. I've been using it for, I think, as long as it's been around and it just always gets better. And then if a screenshot's not going to get the job done, then I might do a little screencast. And a screencast is like a movie of what's on your screen. I've mentioned previously the Tapes app is a great one on your Mac. It's got a time limit, but that's okay. These should just be quick little feedback to the students and answering their questions. And the other thing you want to be aware with Tapes app is it's a 60-minute monthly limit. And I have regularly hit that limit if I'm using it for grading. So I also like to use Snagit because it'll do short screencasts too. So I like to use it for that. If you want more extensive screencasts, maybe where you're going to set up some kind of a process where you want this to be getting students started on a major assignment, you might look into a program on the Mac like ScreenFlow or on the Mac or PC Camtasia, also made by TechSmith, the makers of Snagit. Those screencasts like that can get a lot more sophisticated where you could have picture in picture. So you might, they might see your face describing something and also see what's on your screen. And those are really good resources to have in your toolkit too. How about you? What are you doing over spring break? What's your philosophy? Do you just shut down and really relax? I would love to hear from you to see what books you're going to be reading or movies or music or any uh, television shows you'll be catching up on or are you more a little bit more like me are you going to be doing lots of grading do you have any suggestions for making that process more effective or any essentially spring cleaning for your processes around your workflows for grading or scheduling or anything i didn't talk about today if you would consider leaving a message at 949 949- 3-8-LEARN. I'd love to see if we could get some recommendations from you out there. Again, whether or not it's just a good movie you plan on watching, or what your philosophy is about spring break, or any recommendations that you might have. Speaking of recommendations, this is the point in the show where I recommend something. And Dave, my husband, who's been on prior shows, he, I think I actually mentioned this during the last show, but you can tell I'm still getting a lot out of it. He bought me for Valentine's Day slash my recovering from foot surgery present was the Kindle Voyage. You might know that there's a lot of different Kindles out there, everything from a Kindle Fire that works very similarly to an iPad where you can get movies and TV and social media, et cetera, all the way down to the Kindles that are just readers. And that seems like a bad thing, but it's actually a really, really good thing. I have, I use the service called Goodreads, and I have found that we are now in the month of March and I'm about to hit my yearly reading goal in the month of March just because I, I went on a, a trip to teach a class up to Stockton a couple of weeks ago and that really got me reading and then at night now I'm just I'm leaving the iPad to the side because it's too distracting for me it makes my mind spin a little bit too much and I just find the reading so enjoyable so I'd recommend if you are kind of thinking about wanting to up your reading maybe considering going to a really simple e-reader again, and there's lots of options out there. And I think the Kindle Voyage is a nice one, but they have even less expensive options like that that might be good to do. Thanks for listening. And again, I'd really love it if you'd consider leaving a voicemail at 94938LEARN. Let me know how spring break's going and we'll kind of share that together in the next episode. And I do thank you so much for listening and for being a part of the Teaching in Higher Ed community. If you would like to give any feedback on the show, you can do that at teachinginhighered.com slash feedback. Or if you want to give feedback about this episode specifically, teachinginhighered.com slash 39. There's a section for comments down there. I would greatly appreciate it if you would consider asking someone else to listen to the show who might not have heard of it before and starting to participate. I'm loving seeing the comments coming in and getting to hear from many of you over email. It's such a joy to get to talk to other people who have a passion for becoming more effective at facilitating learning. Thanks for listening. And I'm looking forward to hopefully getting some voicemails of what's going on for your spring break.